Good morning, TLC. Thanks for tuning in to hang with us this morning. Even though we're virtual, it's still good to be together as a family. Uh, maybe you're sitting on your couch, you got your PJs on, maybe you're eating some cold turkey, maybe it's some pumpkin pie that's left over. I know I'm going to be jamming on some pumpkin pie this afternoon with whipped cream. I don't ever take that for granted. Pumpkin pie on Thanksgiving, it's what it's got to be. Now, I will admit though, there are some things that I do take for granted. In fact, uh, I actually got in trouble this past week because I took my wife for granted. Yeah, actually caused a fight. <laughs> she let me know that I had been taking her for granted. I had not been pursuing her the way that she deserves to be pursued. I had not been making her feel loved and appreciated the way that she deserves to feel loved and appreciated. And uh, I didn't intend to. It's not what I wanted to do, but nonetheless, I did. Uh, there's a joke that I heard once. It's a, a married couple, and they're having an argument, and, and the wife says, you don't ever tell me that you love me. And he looks at her, and he says, I told you I loved you when we got married, and if anything changes, I'll let you know. <laughs> Look, uh, that is the definition of what it means to take something or someone for granted. And we all do this, don't we? All of us, from time to time, we take things for granted, right? I take my health for granted. I don't think about it all that often. I take for granted the fact uh, that I can uh, walk and see relatively good and that I've got a house that's got a roof that doesn't leak and is actually heated and even cooled in the summertime. Like, there's all kinds of things that I take for granted. The fact that we've got food in our pantry, even sometimes I can take my amazing and beautiful wife for granted. All of us, from time to time, take things for granted. Uh, look, we're virtual this morning, uh, so we want to try to interact a little bit. We can't do our community time, but what I'd love for you to do is drop something in the comments. What's one thing that you've taken for granted recently? What's one thing that you've taken for granted recently? All right? Go ahead and uh, drop that in. If you're on Facebook Live, drop it in the comments there. If, uh, if, if you're with us on Church Online, drop it in the comments there. Uh, we'd love just to be able to interact with each other uh, a little bit. Uh, I know one thing that I have taken for granted until recently was uh, the ability to bend over and tie my shoe. Uh, I don't take it for granted now because I threw my back out a couple of days ago, <laughs> and it's not easy. Uh, what's one thing that you have taken for granted recently? One thing that you've taken for granted recently. Drop those in the comments. I'm giving you a second just so that you can go ahead and do that. It's all kinds of things that I think we can take for granted at times. Well, this is actually one of the reasons that I love Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is, is a day that almost forces us to stop and not take things for granted, right? We begin to think about the things that we're thankful for and why we're thankful for them and begins to bring a, a sense of gratitude. Uh, I love Thanksgiving, but I, more than that, uh, really than simply the day, I love the season that it begins to develop. Uh, there's some of you that actually turn it into more than a single day of gratitude. Uh, I have a friend that I noticed on Facebook this year. She, uh, 26 days before Thanksgiving, 
she actually started doing something on her social media where uh, it was the letters of the alphabet. So 26 days ago was the letter A, and she started writing down all the things and asked people to contribute that they were thankful for that started with the letter A. And then the next day was B and C and D, all the way up until she got to Thanksgiving. Have no idea what she did for, like, the letter X. I guess maybe Xbox for all you gamers out there. I guess that would be something, but... There's so many different ways that we can actually turn Thanksgiving into more of a season than simply a day. Uh, some folks, they actually take a, a Thanksgiving or a thankfulness jar, and they'll put it out with some slips of paper and a pen, and once a day, uh, everybody that's in the household, whether it's a family or whether it's roommates, they'll write down one thing that they're thankful for, and they'll put it in there. And then on Thanksgiving, or sometimes the weeks after Thanksgiving, they'll pull one out a day and read it, to remind themselves of what they're thankful for. I know for my family, we have a kind of a tradition. Well, I mean, this last Thursday, it was just Brenda and our four kids because, you know, COVID and all. But usually, we get together with my extended family. One of the things that we'll do is we'll go around the table before we eat, and every person there will say one thing that they're thankful for. I think a lot of us have different uh, traditions that help us extend Thanksgiving, or at least on that day, remind us not to take things for granted. Uh, Again, since we're virtual, drop something in the comments section that you're grateful for today or maybe a tradition that your family does. We love hearing some of the cool different traditions that different families do or or maybe you do it with your roommates if you're in college. uh, um, What are some things that you guys do? I want to give you just a second. You can go ahead and drop those in there. Give you just a minute as you're continuing to do that. While I sip on my delicious tea, another thing I'm thankful for. So as you guys know, we've been studying the book of Romans. We're actually at the end of our first series in Romans. We're actually going to take uh, a couple months break from Romans. We're going to come back to it uh, a little bit later on in 2021. We've been talking about Romans 1 through 11, this big chunk, as the gospel we believe. And then 12 to 16 is what we call the gospel we live. We're going to get back to that in a few months, but as we wrap up our time in the first section of Romans today, chapters 9, 10, and 11, It's important to understand what's going on. Uh, The Apostle Paul, who wrote this, he uh, says something in chapter 9, verse 2, that really kind of sets off these three chapters. He says, I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. Great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. And the reason that he has that is because his fellow Jews had taken for granted their special status as God's people. He's actually going to spend time talking about what has happened as a result. And what I'd like for us to do this morning is I'd like for us to get a good understanding of what's happening in chapters 9, 10, and 11. And then after we do that, which I'm going to show you a video in just a minute, about two and a half minutes that will kind of explain chapters 9, 10, and 11. We're going to come back and we're going to read from a couple of passages in chapter 9 and chapter 10 and get a better understanding on uh, what I think is a really meaningful way that Paul wants us to not just wrap up 
this particular series, but something he would like for us to carry through with us into the season, to kind of move our season of thanksgiving and gratitude into a season of proclamation, proclamation because of our gratitude. So what I'd like you to do is just settle in. This is a fantastic uh, little video that will explain chapters 9, 10, and 11 from our good friends at the Bible Project. We're going to go ahead and show that right now. Word. Now you can see how chapters 1 through 8 are one long flow of thought here, but it raises some other questions. If all of this was God's purpose, what is the current status then of Paul's fellow Israelites who don't acknowledge Jesus as the Messiah? How does this story fulfill God's promises to them? Well, Paul begins in chapter 9 with his own anguish over fellow Israelites who don't think Jesus is their Messiah. And it leads him to reflect on Israel in the past from the Old Testament story. And he reminds us that simply being an ethnic Israelite, a physical descendant of Abraham, never made one automatically a faithful member of the covenant family. Paul shows us how God has always selected a subset from Abraham's family to carry on the line of promise. And his point is that now that line of promise is carried on by those who follow Jesus. He reminds us that for a long time, people inside and outside Abraham's family have rejected God's will. He reminds us of the story of Israel and the golden calf and of Pharaoh's rebellion. He shows us how God was able to orchestrate events so that people's rejection of him actually accomplished his redemptive purposes. And so in chapter 10, Paul turns his focus to Israel in the present. The reason many Israelites reject Jesus is because they're basing their covenant relationship with God on their performance of the commands in the Torah. And so sadly, they don't recognize what God has done through Jesus to create a new covenant family on the basis of faith. And so Paul asks in chapter 11, what is Israel's future? Has God written off his people? No, he says. There are tons of Jewish people, including himself, who do recognize Jesus as their Messiah, but there are also a lot who don't. But God has been able to use their rejection for his own purposes. It's caused the gospel to spread even quicker and farther into the Gentile world, making the family of Abraham even larger and more multi-ethnic. Paul describes God's covenant family as a big olive tree, and the rejectors of Jesus have been broken off, so to speak, and these Gentiles are like wild branches that have been grafted into the family tree. However, Paul says, one day Jesus will be acknowledged by his own people. He doesn't offer any details about how. Paul simply trusts God's character and promise that he won't give up on his covenant people. Which transitions into the final section of the book, chapters 12 through 16. But remember the big picture. Because of their faith in Jesus, Jews and Gentiles are now together Abraham's family, that new humanity that's being transformed by God's spirit. And so, this is how God's fulfilling his ancient promises. Therefore, the only reasonable response is for these Jews and non-Jewish Christians to be unified as the church word. Now you can see. Isn't that awesome, like just how the Bible Project so clearly breaks down what's going on in these chapters? Uh, now we read at the very beginning of chapter 9 when Paul talks about the anguish in his heart and we have to ask ourselves, like what happened? What happened to his fellow Jews, his fellow Israelites, that they would take for granted this special status that they had or assume that it had something to do with the law and their good works. Uh, Paul actually talks about it. So grab your Bibles, open up to Romans chapter 9. We're going to read verses 30 
to 32. Romans chapter 9, verses 30 to 32. Apostle Paul says, What then shall we say? That the Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have obtained it, a righteousness that is by faith, but the people of Israel who pursued the law as the way of righteousness have not attained their goal? Why not? Because they pursued it not by faith, but as if it were by works. They stumbled over the stumbling stone. He says, why not? Because they pursued it not by faith, but as if it were by works. You see, many in Israel decided that they were going to try to earn their salvation by doing good works. They thought they could be good enough. Uh, they had forgotten, they had taken for granted how God had made Abraham righteous. We, as followers of Jesus, are now Abraham's children as well. Why? Because by faith, we have trusted in Christ. It was that same faith that Abraham trusted that God could do what God said he did that made Abraham righteous. Unfortunately, so many of Paul's fellow Jewish brothers and sisters at the time rejected Jesus. And they took for granted this special status, assuming that they could actually still be part of the family simply by doing good works, by trying to live up to the law. But as Paul has made so clear through the whole first now nine, or excuse me, eight chapters, now here in nine through 11, the only way that we get righteous is by faith, by believing in Christ. Now, the same thing I kind of feel like a lot of times as a pastor. Because there's a whole lot of folks here in America that think that they're Christian. They're like, well, I'm not Buddhist or Hindu, and, well, America, we're a Christian nation, so therefore, like, I'm a Christian. Uh, folks that maybe even have gone a step further than that, but, like, they go to church, and they assume that, well, because I've gone to church, that must make me a Christian. But that's not at all what Scripture says. Uh, just because uh, you're in a garage doesn't make you a car. Just because you're in a church, it doesn't make you a Christian. It's always, as Paul has said and all throughout Scripture has said, it's by faith. In fact, Paul actually talks about this really, really clearly. You can't earn it. It's a righteousness that we only get by faith. We just have to believe. I, we've talked about this for the last few weeks. Like, that's crazy. That it's simply belief in what God has done. That it is through the belief that we actually then gain access into God's righteousness. God declares us to be righteous. His kids, through faith, just through faith. Not through works, through faith. That's like the greatest announcement ever. That's like the greatest deal ever, right? right way better than anything that you got yesterday for Black Friday. All right, way better than anything you're going to get tomorrow. Cyber Monday, I guess it's not really yesterday for Black Friday, it's two days ago. I'm not real good with my math. But you get the idea, right? There is something that's even better. The gospel is the greatest announcement ever made. Free salvation to anybody who believes the greatest announcement that's ever been made. This is the thing that we're most thankful for. As Christians, when we start thinking about this, when we start kind of, I guess, thinking through the season of thankfulness. Yeah, we're thankful for food and homes and health and all that, family. But really, as a Christian, the thing that we're most thankful for is the fact that Jesus Christ has transformed our lives, changed us. Especially when we take 
what Paul said in Romans 8, and we start to like actually think through all that it means, right? We're no longer slaves to sin. We're adopted as sons and daughters of God. We are now in his family. We have peace with God. We have gained access into God's throne room of grace. We are co-heirs with Christ, heirs of God. We have the spirit who has been given to us as a gift and a sign and a seal on our lives. We cannot lose. The Bible literally says you can't, if God is for you, who can be against you? We are more than conquerors. We can't be killed because we can never be separated. Death can't separate us. Heights, depths, anything, nothing can separate us from the love that is in God through Christ Jesus. Like, that's crazy. That's good stuff. That's the kind of stuff that if you're at home right now, you ought to be like going like, yeah, preach it. Amen. Right? You're not. You're probably just sitting there with your, you know, cold turkey. But you should. All right? Do it right now. Freak out your roommates. Freak out the people that are in the other places living next to you. Freak out your kids a little bit. You ought to be saying like, yo, that's good news. That's something to celebrate. You're like, T, you're getting all worked up, man, and we're just like online on camera. Yes. Yes, I am, because it is the greatest announcement that's ever been made. And what we announce matters. Let's keep reading. Uh, Chapter 10. Drop down with me to the end of verse 8. Apostle Paul says, The message concerning faith that we proclaim. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. That just means Jesus is king, Jesus is leader, Jesus is boss, Jesus is the one that's in control. If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. I'm not afraid to say it. Believe in my heart. Not just head knowledge, but something in my heart that spills out into my actions. He's actually raised from the dead, just as he promised. That's salvation. For it is with your heart you believe and are justified. It is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. See what he says? Anybody, anybody who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and you will be saved. Oh my goodness, friends, that's good news. That's gospel. That's a beautiful announcement. That's what people are dying, like you and I. Like That's why we're thankful Uh, that's the thing that we are most thankful for. Uh, Let's continue reading, though, all right? Let's continue reading. Chapter 10, verse 14. How, then, can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they're sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. They quote right there from Isaiah, how beautiful are the ones of the feet who bring good news. It's just the idea of like somebody who's a messenger, right? Messengers, they could run really fast, really far, and the messenger would run to the next town to tell them the great news, whatever the great news was. And people would be so excited to see the messenger who's bringing good news. That's what he's saying. He's like, yo, how can anybody believe, though, unless somebody actually 
tells them. Unless somebody hears the good news, how can they actually then believe? And he says, and how can anybody hear unless somebody's going to preach to them? Now, we kind of get this a little bit twisted sometimes, right? Because we hear that word preach, and we assume, well, that's what Torn does. Torn's the preacher, right? So maybe you're thinking, yeah, okay, what Scripture's telling me is like, I just got to get people to church so that Torn can preach to them, tell them. But that's not, it's not exactly what Paul is trying to describe here, all right? Now, Paul's not simply trying to describe, like, the professional uh, guy who went to school, and maybe that's what he does for a living. He gets up on the stage and he talks. Like, that's not a bad thing. You should be inviting people to church, right? But you shouldn't think that I'm the only one who's supposed to tell them. The word here is actually in the Greek, caruso. And the word actually means to be a herald to proclaim. Like, we proclaim stuff all the time, don't we? Like, yo, did you see that Cyber Monday deal coming up tomorrow? You might be telling your friends because you know they want to get a TV or this thing or that. Like, we talk like, yo, Meyer got turkey for 19 cents a pound. I don't know if they do. I'm just saying. Like, all right, we will talk about that stuff, right? We're not afraid. That, that's what the idea is here. He's like, yo, how are they going to know if they don't hear? And how are they going to hear if somebody won't tell them, proclaim, herald this good news? You're never afraid to tell somebody good news, are you? No way. Hey, you won the lottery. You're not going to keep that to yourself. You're happy to tell your neighbor that. This is good news that God has for us. But it's not good news only for us. Look, don't be preachy. But friends, preach. Don't be preachy in how you live and how you talk. But preach. Look, we have a responsibility to be a herald. To proclaim, I don't mean herald like H-A-R-O-L-D, like herald, H-E-R-R-A-L-D, like what the angels do. They, they're her- they, they give a message, and it's good news, man. Who doesn't want to hear good news? That's what we're supposed to do. And not just me, you too. Look, we're in a time right now where even today we're virtual. We hope that it's just this Sunday. We hope that we're going to continue to be able to gather together. Uh, We're looking forward to this vaccine coming out. We're looking forward to COVID eventually being a distant memory. But in this space, in this time, now more than ever, you and I need to recognize that we both play a role in heralding, proclaiming, preaching this message of good news, of salvation that is free to anybody who will believe, that will confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in their heart that God raised him from the dead. Friends, uh, we take for granted our salvation when we keep it to ourselves, and we don't want to do that. Um, Let me tell you a story. Uh, There's a family that I love that comes to our church. I love them, uh, the Tabrocks. They're probably going to be mad at me that I'm actually saying their names, but I don't care. Uh, the Tabrocks are awesome. Uh, Katie used to be our uh, local kids director. Um, super, super helpful uh, for the season that God had called her to do that here at TLC. But that's not why uh, I love the Tabrocks, because Katie did that. Uh, the reason I love the Tabrocks is because the Tabrocks, they're just like filled up with Jesus. Like, and it's contagious. And they can't keep it to themselves. Like, they just can't help it. Like, they got this good news. They want to tell people. They want to share it, right? Because that's what you do when you got good news. And I know of at least three families, but three families in particular that I'm thinking about right now 
that are a part of TLC because the Tabraks weren't afraid to share it, weren't afraid to proclaim it, weren't afraid to invite them, weren't afraid to say, hey, uh, Jesus is doing something different in our lives. And if I could have those three families right here on stage with me right now, they would tell you that Jesus is doing something new and fresh and different and unique in their lives as a result of what the Tabraks did by simply talking about the good news that they found in Jesus. And friend, that's what God desires for us in this season. Look, is this the season of Thanksgiving? Absolutely. But what we want to do is actually turn the season of Thanksgiving into a season of proclamation. Friends, we will not take our salvation for granted because we will not keep it to ourselves. TLC, more than ever before, you and I are needed in our workplaces, in our neighborhoods, on our social media, the places that we have an opportunity to interact, to be salt and light. We never want to take for granted what Jesus has done for us. And the way that we will show our gratitude is by people who are willing to proclaim this good news to a world that is dying for hope. Friends, this Thanksgiving weekend, let's be that together. Let's be that good news embodied in our words, in our actions, in our lives. Father God, we want to do this for you. God, we don't do it to gain your love. We do it because we are grateful for your love. Jesus, let me not just be somebody who's sitting up here talking about these things. Let me be somebody who's actually living it out myself with the people that I come in contact with, with my family, with my neighbors. And God, I pray for boldness and courage. God, we never are afraid to share good news in all other walks and avenues and areas of our life. God, let us not be afraid to share the good news of Jesus. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. God, let us have some beautiful feet for you today. We love you. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for loving us. We are so grateful for your death and resurrection. We believe, and because we believe, we have been grafted in to your family. Heirs of God, co-heirs with you, Christ. Thank you. It's in your beautiful and powerful name we pray all these things. Amen. Friends, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for being willing to sacrifice and stay at home just for this one week so that we can do our part here in GR. Can't wait to see you guys next Sunday, 10 o'clock, one service. Some of you will join us online. Some of you will be with us in person. Don't forget to RSVP. Super excited about what God has for us in this next season a season that we move from thankfulness to proclamation, a season that we move into Advent, a place of waiting with expectant hope of what God is going to do as he breaks into our lives. We'll see you guys next Sunday.